Hello, everyone, and welcome back to the ICS Pulse podcast. This time around, once again, we got this special edition. October is Cybersecurity Awareness Month, and we are going to be doing some very, uh, having some very special guests on for the special series of podcasts. You know, bringing back some of your favorite alums from our first year as uh, just being in like a wonderful and beautiful podcast for cybersecurity. Um, if you're familiar with the Proust questionnaire, uh, it's going to take a little bit of form like that. Five quick questions on cybersecurity for each guest. We'll be dropping two of these every week, so be sure to watch out for the next episodes. They'll be coming fast and furious. Uh, so let's just get right into it. I'm your host, Tyler Wall. I am your other host, Gary Cohen, and I'm very impressed with how many times you said special in that intro. We just want you all to know how special this is. It's very, very it special. Only comes around once a year, um, <laughs> even though it should be the theme of every year. It's only the theme of one month, so we have to make sure we let everybody know it's special. And today, we're bringing back a good friend of the site and the podcast, Dino Busalaki of Velta Technology. Um, Dino Bulasalaki is the Chief Technology Officer for Velta Technology, a provider for digital safety as a service. Um, Velta Technology helps organizations grow awareness of their OT and IOT slash IIOT networks by detecting cyber threats, risk, and securing critical infrastructure across all assets. Dino, thanks so much for joining us again, and uh, let's just jump right into it. Thanks for having me. Uh, so our first question here on our um, wonderful list of questions is for Cybersecurity Awareness Month, uh, you know, there's some different key behaviors that are highlighted, uh, like, you know, multi-factor authentication, strong passwords, recognizing phishing. Um, what do you think people should be focused on for this month? I think that uh, from the SANS Institute, I would be focused on the five ICS critical control um, activities, and that is centered around uh, incident response plan, um, secure remote access, uh, network monitoring of the ICS environment, uh, and vulnerability management. Those, I would say those are the five things, and a defensible architecture would be the other one, that those are the five critical controls that clients uh, are, should be looking for if you're a manufacturer, critical infrastructure should be driving towards in awareness and um, and what you can do to improve your cybersecurity process regarding your industrial control system assets. What trends or developments in cybersecurity and especially industrial cybersecurity are you particularly excited about heading into 2024? What's new out there? Well, what's I think what's probably new, one of the biggest changes I've seen is a lot of the uh, uh, OT uh, intrusion detection system providers have kind of moved their platforms to the cloud, right? So they've shifted their strategy from on-prem building these baselines to moving that information to the cloud and, and deploying what we call collection servers or sensors into the industrial environment. It's probably one of the probably one of the shortcomings I've witnessed out of a lot of these OTITS platforms over the last five years have been deployed is not a lot of sensors or collection servers have been deployed to get after the east-west traffic. You know, they're collecting a lot of north-south traffic within these environments, but they're not really getting after those lower level assets that are running around level one and level two, and in some instances, even level three, depending on the PLC architecture that's being deployed uh, across these manufacturing environments. So again, how, how do you start um, de developing a defensible architecture if you don't have a really good grasp of the assets that you have in your environment? 
Um, you know, invariably every client that we that we visit and, and get engaged in deploying these tools, one of the first questions that's really asked to determine how to size and scope the system that's going to go in is, well, how many assets do you have out there? And the client always gets this one wrong because they don't really know. You know, so they guesstimate, right? They kind of throw a swag up there at it and say, here's what I, I, I believe we have until these tools go in. And then things change pretty quickly, right? And the numbers go up dramatically because, you know, a lot of these manufacturers have gone through mergers and acquisitions. Um, these plants have been around for a few decades. A lot of tribal knowledge has retired and left and gone away. And so as organizations have, you know, taken ownership of these manufacturing facilities, they're not really sure what they have in them, right? And a lot of that stuff is non-standardized. What I mean by non-standardized, meaning that the client hasn't really developed a PLC architecture that they would deploy throughout 40 plants in their fleet, right? It would take them decades to do that and the millions and millions of dollars they would spend to, to retool and, and, and replace these types of technologies. So you got to deal with what you have, right? You got to work with what you got. And that ICS environment needs to have tool sets that are purpose built for that environment, right? And so you, and in saying that, you need resources that, that are purpose built for that environment, right? That no, <laughs> it, it can't necessarily be some IT, you know, ivory tower organization that, that you know, has a view of how Palo Alto and it should work or EDR in, within their environment and say, well, how's that tool set going to apply to my plant environment who don't use a lot of those protocols that you're accustomed to seeing or systems that were developed without uh, security in mind, right? Don't have MFA on them, don't have applicational-based security uh, protocols around them. So how do, you, how do you go after that stuff? You, you ignore it? Or are you really trying to understand what's going on out there? How, how do you want to build out a, a tool set that's doing your visibility in order to say, well, here's all the assets I have, and here's what they're doing, and here's the vulnerabilities associated with them, and now how do I start building a defensible architecture around that? You know, How do I want to handle my vulnerability management? How do I want to provide secure remote access into that space? You know, and uh, and those are conversations that start that need to be had that and at all levels, right? It's not just IT having it amongst themselves or so few OT people having it amongst themselves. It needs to be a, a collaborative, aligned, transparent conversation throughout the organization. So, can you share a memorable experience or case from your career that highlights the importance of cybersecurity? Oh gosh, there's so many. I mean. We're, we're not exactly asking you to name names here, but you know, if you want to throw them out there. I mean, there, there's so many that I've seen. I mean, I've, I've seen everything from um, operators bringing in uh, wireless gateways that they bought at a Best Buy to connect to the network at the plant in which they operate so they can watch Netflix in the control room because the control system network was connected to the internet, right? And the streaming service that they were running in there while they were doing this was causing um, disruption to the furnaces in this glass plant and um, shut it down, right? You know, actually brought down the glass plant, you know, the furnaces. And furnaces are those kind of things that once they start coming down, you just can't stop them midway, right? There's safety measures in place that you got to bring them to certain, you know, phases 
in order to control that shutdown to make sure one, you don't turn it into a big chunk of glass rock where you got to just bulldoze over the plant because you've lost your furnace or get it to a safe state that you can recover from and maybe manually take it over. Um, that's just one example. I, I, I had a, a client that was an automotive uh, parts manufacturer that had a, um, a Coca-Cola vending machine take down their wheel press because the vending machine had been taken out for maintenance. And during the startup, the way that the IT guy was providing IP addresses in the environment was he would ping the network to see what did not respond in order to assign an IP address because he didn't have a list of IP addresses. So he was just looking for something that wouldn't respond. Long story short, the vending company brings back the, the machine from repair, plugs it back into the network and had a duplicate IP address where you had um, uh, the control system competing against the vending machine and the control system would shut down, right? And, and then you lose a day's worth of production, a very costly mistake. Now, is that a cybersecurity incident? No, but would these tools have caught this? Yes, they would, right? If you're watching what's going on inside the environment, then you're aware of everything coming and going, new assets showing up, assets going away, change in, in, in what they're doing, you know, what they're talking to. And so why aren't they mapping that stuff out? Why aren't they paying attention to that type of stuff? And again, these are IT practices where IT does a good job of that from their perspective, but we're not doing that on the plant floor, right? They're not. They, they, they still work under the premise that, well, we're air-gapped. And, and at hundreds of plants I've been into, I've never found that to be the case. Never have I found that to be the case. Yeah. You got technicians that come in out of these plants all day, every day, carrying their own laptop and plugging into that, that network out there below the controls, below the PLCs. And the IT people, they can't see that machine. They don't know what's on that machine. They don't know what he's doing. They have no idea. He's just coming in here to do some maintenance on some filler at this plant, and he's connected into the control system running that filler, and nobody knows he's there except for the people that let him in, but they sure aren't doing anything with his workstation to scan it to make sure it's clean, to make sure that he's not talking to utilities while he's working at the, on the on the filler, that he's not connected to, you know, the cogens uh, out back, you know, they don't know. They have no idea what he has access to because nobody's watching what they're doing. Yeah, we've heard a lot of stories about uh, about poor cybersecurity. It's first, I've heard uh, "Love Is Blind" or Emily in Paris. Somebody wanting to watch Netflix taking down a furnace, but yeah, that's a little alarming. Um, yeah. Well, ICS is it's the soft underbelly, right? It's yeah. the weakest link in the chain, without a doubt. It is right, right. unquestionably, it is. So there've been a a lot of high profile recent attacks. Many of these high-profile ones that have made headlines have been on manufacturing critical infrastructure, whether it's the city of Dallas or the city of Atlanta getting attacked, whether it's SolarWinds or JBS or Ferrara Pan. What do you think we have learned from these recent major cyber attacks? Hopefully something. Well, hopefully demonstrating that you can get better, right? What are you doing to demonstrate that you're going to get better? Um, and you have to also recognize as an organization that those attacks that you've witnessed that may have come through your IT systems and maybe attacked a lot of your IT systems, Windows, for example, being, being the, the biggest one in the pile, the plant floor uses those also. 
right? Your human machine interface, your HMI, your uh, historians, your engineering workstations, the programming workstations are used to program those control systems, you know, download their, their project files and their recipes. Uh, the networking switches that are down there that are being used, whether it be Cisco or Phoenix or Intron D, they, they all have vulnerabilities too, just like you see on the IT side, right? And so what are you doing to one, know what those are? So at least you have them. And then you can start deciding vulnerability risk management on how do I want to start moving the needle to get better, right? And I think what you'll find a lot of organizations will do is they'll throw a firewall somewhere in the plant and they want to call that a day. Now, some of them are probably moving to EDR and trying to install things like, you know, semantics or CrowdStrike or Carbon Black or whatever, you know, putting agents out there in the environment to do some of the reporting, which is good. But a lot of the older uh, operating systems on some of these control systems, you one, you can't do that or they don't touch them or you're back to the OEM or SI saying you touch that machine, don't call me if there's a problem, right? So if you lose your filler because you installed a patch or because you put some software on there, some agent on there to scan that thing in order to look for malware and any other signatures that you might be chasing around, uh, you just voided your warranty with us. So I'm not going to help you. You know, and so what do they do? Nothing, you know, but there's but there's ways around that too, right? Micro segmentation. But in order to get the micro segmentation, well, you have to learn what's going on inside of that environment to find out what that HMI actually talks to that's required versus noise that it sees on the network that it, that it shouldn't see, you know, and, and it happens all the time. You know, some clients have a really hard time trying to figure out how to unravel some of the activities that these Windows machines are, whether they're trying to get to a, a DNS server or they're trying to get to the internet or they're trying to get to some application somewhere else that's not even there. And it's just, you know, it's sending a, uh, it's making a phone call into in, in empty space. What happens if somebody picks up the phone, right? All of a sudden, you know, or, or a firewall change has been has been implemented and now there's a new port that's opened up. Or I got IT port scanning my, my control system network and causing disruption, right? We, we just did a project here recently for a, a beer manufacturer, and um, and it wasn't cybersecurity related. It was all process integrity related. They were having problems keeping their SCADA systems running in a timely manner to be able to run their packaging line, you know? And they really couldn't put their finger on what was causing this disruption, right? And they didn't know. And they, they had, and there, there was a lot of fingers in the pie. You had... Uh, an IT organization, you had a third-party infrastructure organization, you had controls guys on site doing startup projects, you had the plant personnel, you know, all this activities circulating this, it's not a very big brewery, but enough that they were having disruption. And so what we were asked to do to come in to put it, we put in these tools and instantly we can see all of the disruption that's coming into this environment from all the folks and the, the tools that they had that they had that were invoking um i call it the stop and frisk you know mentality where you got a control system they're minding its own business you know running a filler for example and now i've got this this i've got to answer to this authoritative you know person who's asking me my name and and my and where am i going what am i doing searching my pockets you know just being disruptive to me and and now i quit i quit putting 
liquid in, in a bottle so I can deal with this. And then I lose my packaging line and it goes down. You know, why, why are you stopping and frisking my control system? There's no, what do you need IT out of this environment to your tool set? What are you looking for? Tell me what you need. That the tools that we have that are passively down here collecting this information get you the information you need and get you out of there. You should be on an exclusionary list. You shouldn't be talking to these devices at all. You have no reason to talk to them. Right? We gather the information down here in a non-destructive way and we hand it off to you. And then you do with what you may, whatever it is that you're looking for. You know, because most of the time the tools that they're using, they're only going to pick up a couple of things anyway. They're going to pick up IP address and Mac. And they're going to look for open ports. Well, I can tell them what the open ports are just from using the tool sets that we have. And that's a challenge, right? And I think IT, they don't understand that because most IT organizations think that that's just normal way of collecting information in those environments. I've heard them say that. We've never been disrupted before. You know, the plant just quits fighting about it. They just... They end up with lousy uh, run records, you know, and, and running um, their OEE running at, you know, 50, 60 percent instead of 70 and 80 percent. So what are some emerging technologies that you see impacting the field of cybersecurity in the near future? What do I see as new technologies? Yeah, like some emerging ones down the stretch. You know, we've had some people talk about quantum computing a little bit, you know, which is a whole whole separate podcast entirely <laughs> but you know yeah what do you kind of see in terms of technologies you know up and coming or maybe not even around yet that you think uh will definitely impact the field of cybersecurity? well i'd say what i would see is from an intrusion prevention perspective you know organizations like four scout fortinet cisco uh, palo alto others that are starting to, to they have industrial hardware assets that are made for the industrial environment that are capable of doing intrusion prevention, right? And, and meaning that, remember I was, the analogy I was given around the sensor-ready panel where you can send it, put a collection sensor inside of a panel that's gonna run a packaging line. And if you're a clarity shop, then you would have that, that sensor reporting to the clarity platform that's in there. Um, what would come next would be intrusion prevention. Now, now that I've got everything mapped out and I know how things should work, then now I can start shape, shaping and hardening that environment, intrusion prevention, micro-segmentation, for example, where I can put in technologies now that are disruptive who will not allow certain things to happen based upon policy, right? The way that I got the, the, that box configured. What I would say is the complexity, if you look at a Fortinet firewall, those things, they're incredibly, incredibly complex, powerful tools. Within an IT environment, I, I get it. Applicational-based control of, of applications and policies. But trying to move that down in the industrial environment, I think, would be very difficult. But I do see that coming, right? I do see firewalls or intrusion prevention systems getting down into that defensible architecture further down than just at the IDMZ layer at 3.5. If you got crown jewels in that plant, very costly, very expensive um, uh, equipment, making whatever product it's making, well, how do you want to control the traffic that swirls around that thing, right? And it can take IPSs to do that. But in order to get there, you got to you got to go from crawl, walk, run. You got to be running to be able to put those types of tools in that environment. Um, 
and, and you have a, you have a landscape of OT providers who are not nowhere near the sophistic, sophistication and maturity level to even help with that. Not they don't exist today. Yeah, I've yet to meet an OT cybersecurity um, company that that's at that level of taking Fortinet down into level one in a plant. You know, unless you're a nuclear facility or you know some type of military installation, but they're not generally speaking. You're not going to find that. Yeah, yeah. Today. All right. So I think the last question we have for you. Uh, hopefully it will be a fun one. So this has been a debate that Tyler and I have had for a while about cybersecurity movies and TV shows. So I worked in baseball for years. Whenever I watch a baseball movie, I pick out all the stuff that seems ridiculous. I imagine doctors watch Grey's Anatomy and go, come on. Um, do you have a favorite movie or TV show that has something to do with cybersecurity? Well, there was Black Hat, right? It was out. And then you have Zero Days. It's out, you know, and then you go back to some of them that... Gosh, I mean, those are the ones that pop into my head right now. I mean, Zero Days is is relevant because of, of control systems. Actually, the movie Black Cat is, too, because they shut down a, a nuclear power plant, right? Mm-hmm. Um, and, and we saw what Stuxnet did with um, with the Iranian um, uh, nuclear material-making plant in the Tants, right? Um, and so those are all real. And nobody's ever, you know, from that particular one, nobody stepped up and said, Hey, that was us, right? Nation states, but um, but at the end of the day, I mean, that's what spawned a lot of what we're seeing today with these OT IDS platforms. It's like, well, somebody learned how to use it as an as an attack. Well, how do you defend now that you know how to attack, right? And so, Clarity and Zomi and Armis and Cisco Centrio, all all of those have all spawned out of of that from a, over a decade ago. From from in, in zero days kind of brings that together from that perspective, right? Even Ralph Lonegar, who has OT based, was in that movie. I don't know if you knew that or not, right? You know, I, Ralph, I know that. So, um, but point is, is that from a movie perspective, I mean, movies is it's, it's Hollywood, right? I mean, it's always going to be over over the top. But I will tell you that. You know, the SEC, did you see the SEC ruling that recently came out? You know, basically, um, if you're if you're you have to convey information within four days if you've been attacked for your investors. Right. Right. And that's all going to start in December. And, and I will tell you that there's clients out there that have been hacked that don't disclose anything. Big ones. Right. They try to keep it very, very quiet. What's been going on and plant shutdowns, the whole nine yards. Right. And been down for weeks trying to get out from underneath the uh, the problem that ensued from the, the hacking that came into their environment. So um, ha- having to uh, shed light on it is going to change change perspective a lot. And it, and it will ripple down because of the um, the supply chain, you know? So if you are a, a publicly traded company and you're having to do this and you're dealing with privately held companies, they're, you're going to be asking them to do the same thing you're doing. If you want to do business with me, then you're going to have to disclose also what's going on in your environment. Absolutely. Uh, Dino, thank you so much for joining us again. Apparently, we haven't scared you away yet. Always fun to talk to you. You and Velta have basically been with us since the beginning here. Yeah, it's been fun. It's been a great ride. Like I said, I'm looking forward to uh, future events and other podcasts, right? We're even thinking about, you know, doing our own podcast, if you can believe that, right? Just to 
We got a lot of stories to share. That's for sure. I can imagine. Look, if they'll give Tyler and I a podcast, anybody can do one. So, so yeah, <laughs> jump in. Uh, and everybody out there, please make sure you're tuning in all month as we release more episodes from the Cybersecurity Awareness Month series. And don't forget to use that hashtag, BeCybersmart. That is hashtag BeCybersmart on social media for this month. We've also got all kinds of Awareness Month content on the site at ICSPulse.com. If you haven't read Dino's articles or Velta Technologies articles, check those out. Some really good stuff out there. Uh, everybody, thank you for listening. Until next time, stay safe out there. Mm-hmm.